Happy Sabbath, church. We continue our series of looking at Jesus in the sanctuary, as the Bible tells us that if we don't believe Moses, how will we believe the words of Jesus Christ? And last week we looked at the sanctuary. So when we looked at the sanctuary last week, we realized that it is your sins, my sins, that have crucified our Lord and Savior. It is your sins, my sins, that put them on the cross. And we saw that in the sanctuary, when you brought your lamb, it wasn't the priest that killed the lamb. It was you yourself as you laid your hands on the lamb. And there at the altar, it represents the cross of Christ, which as we spoke, speaks to us about starting in a metaphorical sense, starting the plan of salvation. You begin turning on the engine of that which illustrates that saves us from the wages of sin. That sanctuary service we learned represents your lifetime in a manner of speaking, but in actuality it represents it represents the totality of human history. And today we're going to look further into the most holy place, into the holy place, and recap what is quickly represented here, because we're not going to spend the majority of the time in the sanctuary per se. We want to get to the Day of Atonement. But here you have the table of showbread represented by the two red circles. You have the candlestick, and you have the altar of incense before the throne of grace. And in John 6.35, for those of us who are familiar with our Bibles, we're not going to look at it, but you can look it up on your own. John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And so that's represented by the table of showbread. In John 8, 12, Jesus himself said again, then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but would have the light of life. And in Hebrews 7, 25, the Bible tells us, therefore, speaking of Jesus, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so in this apartment of the sanctuary are three symbols that represent what Christ is doing for us. His word gives us the strength to carry on. When there are frustrations, when there are things that, that make you struggle, the word of God gives you the principles and the wisdom to navigate the issues of life. For Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. When the world gets darkness, you need the light of Jesus Christ to illuminate your mind, to understand the word. The word gives you the food of strength and the light gives you the light of which to walk and navigate through the issues of life. The Bible tells us in Psalms that your word is a lamp unto my feet. And although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, The Spirit of God will lead me. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how frustrating life can become, if we trust in the merits of Jesus Christ, once this plan of salvation has begun in your own personal life, you have assurance of the bread of life and the light of the world. 
And when those two aren't necessarily enough because you're grappling with it, he is interceding on your behalf that you may understand the light and that you may grasp the word of God and that you may have strong strength for the battles of life that you're going to face. Jesus is throughout the entire sanctuary. Jesus is the sanctuary. Jesus is in whom I find my rest, my sanctuary city, my hope of salvation. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And I live to make intercession for you and for me. But I ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 16. Because this up to now represents your life. At one moment, you're going to face your own mortality. And there is nothing like facing your own mortality without having hope in Jesus Christ. I have seen people die without the hope of Christ. And I have seen others die with the hope of Christ. And the contrast is noticeable. It's more noticeable in some than others, but nevertheless, it is noticeable. When you die in Christ, it's more of a, I'll see you later. But when you die without Christ, you don't know what awaits you on the other end. But in Christ, I know that one day I will see all my loved ones who have died in Christ in the vigor of eternal youth. But we're not looking at the particulars. Now we're looking at after your lifetime, after the totality of human history. That's why Daniel speaks about after 2,300 days, the sanctuary will be cleansed. Now we're going to look at what happens at the end of your life or at the end of humanity, the timeline of this human history. The Day of Atonement in chapter 16 gives us insight into what happens at that time. So open your Bible to Leviticus 16. We begin in verse 3. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen tunic, and the linen undergarment shall be next to his body, and he shall be girded with a linen sash and attired with the linen turban, these are holy garments. Then he shall bathe his body in water and put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. We're going to stop at six for a few seconds. Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for whom? For himself. I want to make something clear that we're going to expound on next week. But however, I want to drop clues and hints about it. This burnt offering is for himself. He needed this because like you and like me, and unlike Jesus, he needed to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. The high priest, which oftentimes represents our high priest, Jesus Christ, in this instant is not being represented as a high priest, but Aaron, who is a high priest, is acknowledging in Leviticus 16, the Bible is acknowledging that he was a human and he himself needed 
to be cleansed from sin. Is that clear? Jesus did not need to be cleansed from sin, but this high priest who is but human like you and I needed to be cleansed from sin. And hence why the Bible repeats twice in this verse, sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and his household. Jesus did not need to be made atonement for himself or for the Godhead. For Jesus is sinless. And this is going to be key as we go on. Verse 7. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Now you have two goats. They were taken from the people in order to make atonement for the people. The goats were chosen by lot, meaning that they were chosen randomly. In other words, there was no preferential treatment for either one. But once the one became the one that was going to be a sin offering, now that one has a role and a place to play that the other goat does not. And this day of atonement, which we will reach either in when we face our mortality or if Christ should come back when we are alive, is a very solemn day. Because even though this was repeated year after year, the day of atonement was once a year, but they repeated it as a show and tell of the plan of salvation of what God is doing over the course of human history. If you did not find yourself forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, if you did not accept what was taking place on that day, you were cut off from the people of Israel, never to return. You were in essence dead to the people of Israel, never to partake of the family of Israel ever again. Turn with me quickly to Leviticus chapter 26. Sorry, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 26 through 29. My Bible, the NASB, um, the heading there says the Day of Atonement, but you'll see it in the verses, verses 26 through 29. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on exactly the 10th of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this same day, he shall be cut off from his people. Verse 29. So he shall be what? Cut off from his people. Now in the larger plan of salvation in the reality of this if you have not accepted christ when you died or if we are alive when christ returns and you have not accepted christ when he comes 
then you are cut off from the living for the rest of eternity. You are cut off from partaking in the bliss of heaven. You are partake, you are cut off from sitting on the throne with all his heavenly blessings that we have studied in the book of Ephesians. You are cut off never to come back and live with the Lord ever. Let's go back to Leviticus 16. So this is a solemn day because throughout the entire year, the blood of the lamb was being sprinkled on the curtain to the most holy, representing our sins being carried to the throne of grace by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and being forgiven in the plan of salvation because his sacrifice was perfect and accepted. Verse 11, then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a fire pan full of coals of fire upon the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground sweet incense and bring it inside the veil. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the ark of the testimony. Otherwise, he will die. Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side, also in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. So Aaron, with the smoke of the incense that is covering the mercy seat, and we will see this here in a second, he is then allowed to go in and sprinkle the blood on the throne of grace, signifying that God has paid the price, the ultimate price for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world. God has paid. It's been taken. The sins of the world have been taken, not to some remote part, but to the very throne of God, signifying that our God, your God, my God, he paid the price. He didn't leave it to somebody else. He paid the price. In all of this, Jesus is our high priest. He is in the heavenly sanctuary applying the merits of his blood on your behalf. Before we continue in Leviticus 16, open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to go back to Leviticus 16, but we're in Hebrews chapter 4, 15 through 16. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is Jesus that is going all the way, like the high priest there, with the smoke covering the mercy seat because humanity really couldn't be in the presence of God. But Jesus, as a perfect sacrifice, he takes 
our sins by the life that he lived and takes us and invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. It says, For every high priest, beginning in verse 1, taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifice for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for sins as for the people, so also for himself. No, and no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you, just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In other words, Hebrews recognizes that Aaron needed a sacrifice for himself, but Jesus did not. Look at verse, chapter 9, verse 24. 9.24 For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven himself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Praise God that Jesus is our reality. He is the real deal, and because of him, we get all the benefits and promises that are found in Scripture. In him, every promise is amen. In him, every promise is a reality. In him, everything that we need, the bread, the light, the incense, the intercession is found in Christ. But let's go back to Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15. Then he shall slaughter the goat for the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the holy place, because the impurities of the sons of Israel, and because of their transgression, in regard to all their sins, and thus he, he shall do to the tent of meeting which abides with them in the midst of their impurities. Verse 17, when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and of the blood of the goat and put it in the horns of the altar on all sides. With his finger he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it seven times and cleanse it, and from the impurities of the sons of Israel, sons of Israel consecrated. Verse 20 is our key. When he finishes atoning for the holy place and for the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. So, to follow the progression of 16, you begin here at the cross of Christ. Christ is taking the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, and he's applying them and bringing them boldly to the throne of grace where we find forgiveness. 
but in the day of atonement, then the blood is brought out this way, sprinkled and cleansed the, the sanctuary from the blood that had been poured upon it throughout the entire years. At one point, it says that the smoke is there. No one is to enter into it because now Christ is doing a work of not longer forgiving sins. But at the end of time, he's beginning to do the work that will cleanse the heavenly sanctuary and the universe and all of humanity from the experiment of sin that we have done. Jesus cried out, it is finished. And we learned that that meant, though, that the guarantee of our salvation was finished. But there were still steps in the process. I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Revelation chapter 16. The book of Revelation chapter 16. We saw in Leviticus in verse 20, when he has finished making atonement for the sanctuary, then he offers the live goat. We're going to discuss the live goat next week. But I want you to see something that happens here. In, Levit in Revelation 16, beginning in verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. Now, if you and I are stu students, you see there's not really a big difference between saying it is finished and it is done. But there are two different Greek words. The first pair, it is finished, gives us a sense of total completion. In other words, that the plan of salvation is guaranteed and victorious that Christ paid the ultimate price and those who accept it, there is no way you can lose this battle. The victory is ours. That cry of it is finished was a guarantee that the plan of salvation is a reality and it can be a reality in your life and my life. That it is finished was a cry of victory. But we learned that there were still steps in the process. And now here we come to a it is done. And what is taking place here? Well, what's taking place here is that the plagues have fallen. But in chapter 15, turn there real quick. Look at verses 5 and onward. And these things I looked in the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels who had seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, clean and bright and girded around their chest with golden sashes. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Just like no one was able to enter the tent in Leviticus 16. At this point, though, at the end of human history, when probation has closed, 
Leviticus 16 doesn't give us this, but the New Testament expounds here. Jesus begins to take off his priestly robe. And he begins to put on his kingly robe. Probation has closed. The plagues are about to fall. If you're not in Christ, then you are cut off from God's people. And those of us who are serving God, those of us who are surrendering to God, have our hope in the fact that Jesus will come back one day. And as he is changing his robe, he is coming back no longer to be a covering for sin, but to come back to give us what is rightfully ours in Christ. To obtain the throne that he has promised you and has promised me. To give us back the loved ones that we have lost. To give me back my father and my grandmother. To give me back the hope that I have been longing for all my life. Will you accept the sacrifice on the altar? Because he is carrying your blood, your sins in his blood all the way to the throne of grace. But on the day of atonement, when it closes, when the sanctuary is finally cleansed, those in Christ will live forever and those outside of Christ will be cut off. It is done. You have chosen what side you're going to be on. But as we will learn next week, as it is finished, wasn't complete. It is done. It's not totally complete. There is still one last phase to go. And we will learn about it next week when we deal with a live goat. But I'll conclude here. Although Jesus has come back at the end of chapter 16, or he's coming back, there are still some things that need to be taken care of. Because ultimately, those who are lost are going to have to stand in front of their maker and see and announce to the world why they did not take the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The wicked have been fighting God all their lives, but they have a right to face their maker. And as we will learn next week, there is a reason, even though they are destroyed in chapter 16, the earth is left without form and void, a wilderness, and you will see why that's important next week. They will be resurrected, and every tongue of the saved and every tongue of the lost, every demon and every Satan, and Satan himself, will finally kneel down and say, Jesus was right all along. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. And we will find out that there is a third, it is done. And then we will be completely without sin and sin. Then we can rest with sin finally, completely behind us. But God loves you and me too much to not tell us how he's going to make an end of sin. 
And that's what we'll find out next week with the live goat. Never in scripture. This is what I'm going to open up with next week. And I want to close with this week. Never in scripture does the high priest functioning as a high priest ever lay his hands on a bull or offering and confess to it as high priest. As Aaron, the sinful man, yes, but never as high priest because our high priest needs to confess to no one. May God bless you and may God keep you as we continue to study the Day of Atonement and we'll conclude next week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. Father, there's going to come a day where either we're alive and you come in glory or we face our own day of atonement, our own mortality. Father, I pray when that day comes, we can just lay our heads peacefully in the arms of Christ and know that we're just sleeping until you call us to rise again. We thank you and we love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.